Hey, everyone. I can't believe it's been almost seven years since the first episode of Unqualified. At the time, I didn't really know what a podcast even was, but it seemed like a fun experiment. It began as a simple desire for connection, a way to hear your stories and share mine. I wanted to be there for you, and I wanted you to be there for me. Of course, back then, I imagined you, my dear listeners, to be only seven or eight people. I never expected this community of ours to grow the way it has, and of course, the show has changed over time as most things do. Beginning with this episode, I'm excited to return to that initial intention. Today's guest is Finn Whitrock, who you know from American Horror Story and will soon know as the Green Lantern in the HBO Max series. Finn and I will spend most of our time talking with listeners who have written in after facing some not uncommon problems. I'm hoping we can come up with at least one or two good ideas, but at the very least, know that we are there for you. My favorite addition to the show has been April Beyer, one of the most remarkable women I know, and a great friend. Once a month, April and I will be doing special episodes where we talk with listeners in need of the guidance only April is qualified to give. So here we are, back at the beginning, together. Thank you for being there. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Are you in Los Angeles, Finn? I'm in LA, yeah. I just actually moved. As a person, how do you deal with moving stress? Like on a scale of one to 10, are you, do you handle it well? I used to really enjoy it like when I was just moving myself. And now I have a wife and a two-year-old and it's a whole different story. Because like the amount of stuff with a kid is just like quadrupled, you know? Are you the kind of friend that helps other friends move? Oh, yeah. I did that a lot, like in college and stuff. I always felt there was good karma, you know, play it forward because you know you're going to need moving help yourself. It's the unpacking that is so hard and tedious. Like actually packing stuff up in boxes and moving it onto a truck, like that stuff's kind of fun. But like then you're sitting in this house. Well, now what do I do? Now life just continues. <laughs> like where's the floss? Exactly. The little things you're like, what fucking box did I put that in? Yeah. Finn, will you tell us a little bit about yourself before we talk to listeners? I know you grew up in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you about the idea of performing on stage and that kind of fulfillment, and then performing in single-camera world. Mm -hmm. Will you tell us a little bit about what kind of like theater nerd you are? <laughs> a huge one. Yeah, I started doing theater, and it's how I got into acting. And so it was kind of all I knew what acting was for a while. When I was younger, it wasn't like film acting versus theater acting. It was just like, this is what you do. You get on stage in front of people that are actually there. And I think the biggest learning experience is to have the delay between your performance and your audience seeing it. You know, like if you do a movie, you might wait a year before anyone sees your work. Whereas if you're doing it on stage, it's a completely immediate feedback loop. You know, yeah. so that's like the first thing to really kind of have to wrap your head around. I think there is something so pure and fulfilling, like immediately fulfilling about doing theater. 
And yet it also can take it out of you in a way that's unsustainable or like you need a break from it because it so consumes your life. Whereas if you do an intense scene in a movie, that day it'll be swallowed up by it. But then you go home and you never have to touch it again. Whereas if you're doing a play, there's almost like a sense of dread. If a scene goes really well, you walk off stage and you're like, fuck, I have to do that again tomorrow. You know, eight times this week. So, yeah, it's just a whole different ballgame. I think I'm lucky that I started doing theater and moved to film and not the other way around, because I think it's much easier to sort of narrow your scope than to expand your scope, you know, if that makes sense. It does. I agree. I grew up doing local theater in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So that was very much my experience. And when I first did Scary Movie, it was jarring that the film crew wasn't an audience at all. Oh, that's so hard to figure out. You're like, why aren't they laughing? <laughs> yeah, What's, exactly. Well, they're so quiet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very disconcerting. When you're used to having the immediate feedback of, okay, that was good. Yeah, especially with comedy. Yes. That feedback is so apparent. If you're doing a tragedy, you're like, I don't know. I think they're crying. I can't really hear. <laughs> but the pure reaction of a laugh is like nothing else. A laugh in the moment. Green Lantern. Green Lantern's coming up. I'm starting in a few months. So you haven't started shooting yet? I haven't started shooting yet. They're furiously writing away. How are you feeling anxiety-wise? You're not there yet. I'm not quite there, although I'm realizing what big shoes it is to fill and, and how... I'm about to be stepping into a fan base that is so rabid that I'm like, it's a little bit daunting in that way. But I'm excited about it more than anything. I really am. Like, it's going to be like a thing that takes over my life for at least a year. Like, it's going to be a, a big, hefty shoot. So like, yeah, I'm starting to wrap my head around it. And like, I have like 60 years of comics to read. I want to like do it properly. So yeah, have my homework cut out for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And tell us about American Horror Story. Right. It's very exciting because it didn't air last year. It all got delayed because of the pandemic. So it's been like two years. And talk about a fan base. Like the fans of this show are really, really wildly passionate. So they're like very gung-ho about this happening. And it's like a, a big thing. It's so sad. Like, I mean, we don't have premieres anymore. Like, <laughs> it's like I'm just going to watch it in my living room at home. You know, it's so anticlimactic, but... It's good. I'm glad it's finally going to be out there. Will you name an actor that you've learned from? Oh, yeah. I mentioned him so much, I think. People are probably sick of it who listen to me. But like, I was uh, lucky enough to work with Philip Seymour Hoffman before he died. And, and I worked with him on stage in, in Death of a Salesman. He really did affect the way that I've approached my work from that point on. It was really, really a life-changing experience. The way that he never let himself off the hook. Like every single show was trying to go deeper and taking it with him and not being satisfied with it. And it was somewhat, I don't think you have to be quite as tortured as he became from that part. And from many parts, I think affected him very, very personally. I don't think that that has to happen to you, but the degree to which he let the character in under his skin and used his own raw personality and, and emotional depth, like was really inspiring to watch. Was it intimidating? It was at first, but he was actually such a gentle soul. Like he had a kind of armor up when he was working on something that like before a show, you could not talk to him at all. Like he was in a shell that was like, like not even the stage manager could talk to him. He was just like immersed in himself. But then once it was over, 
he was like the funniest, easiest, most hysterical guy and was such a sweet person. So like once the intimidation factor was some slightly removed in terms of like, God, I'm working with film with Sigmar Hoffman, holy shit. I was able to really like create a real kind of friendship with him for, I guess, two years that I knew him. How amazing. Finn, would you tell us at what age you would have said to somebody, I'm in love? I was in love with the girl kind of long distance from the time I was really young. We had a kind of a group of kids that were all kind of born very close together. And this one girl was like the love of my life. And like we were like babies together. And then I moved away. I moved to Evanston when I was six. And I would go back to Massachusetts every summer. But it was like all through elementary school into middle school. Like I had this... Maybe in retrospect, it was like a fantasy love life, but we would write letters, you know, and, and she was always like the one forever. And then we sort of like became teenagers and realized we were just really close friends. And now we're still very, very close friends. And it was because I was a far away from her, too, that it was like it was something really romantic and heartbreaking. And like every time I would leave the Berkshires and come back to Evanston, it was like torture. It was like heartrending torture. And I would miss her like all year long. So you were a romantic at a young age. Well, I think everyone like thinks kids don't fall in love, but I think it's not true. I think like love evolves in your definition of it. But like, I remember being like, it's not true. I'm 10 and I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it is what it is, you know. And will you tell us about your worst heartbreak? Oh boy. I've had a couple. This girl in high school. I was like really into her and we talked for a long time and we had a little fling, but we weren't like full on dating, but I like really kind of fell pretty hard. And then she wrote me this letter that was like basically saying, I don't trust you and breaking up with me without us actually having been together. I was friends with everybody and like people did have crushes on me and stuff. And I think she thought that I was more of a player than I was in some way, you know, or like I was deceiving because I was popular or something. So what I was telling her, she thought was just trying to get her in the sheets or something. So she thought I was more, I think, more sly than I actually was. And you liked her more than she knew. Yes. It sounds like. Yeah. And then I wrote her a letter at the end of the year and like sort of telling all those things. And I was like, why didn't I just... Well, you know, in in high school, you don't... There's a lot that you're not expressing that you don't know how to. I was a really dramatic kid in high school, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I was really quiet. I was not popular and I would fall very hard. Mm -hmm. So did you have a series of long-term relationships? No, I had no intention of having a long-term relationship. (laughs) So maybe she was right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was always like making out, you know, after her and before her. It was like, you know, I was trying to just be free. You know, God, that sounds like a really fun high school experience. It was all right. I was going I went to this arts high school called Loxa on the campus of Cal State L.A. And like so everyone there was kind of out there. You know, they were weird artist types. How did you and your wife meet? We met at Juilliard. She was a dancer. And um, it's actually a common (laughs) thing where the female dancers and the male actors are often kind of scoping each other out just down a single hallway at school. So wait, tell me about seeing her down the hallway then. I'll tell you the first time we we went out was a fixed double date. I was supposed to pull out the names. I was either going to be Sarah or Victoria. Like my friend was going to take the other one on the date. It was like this fun, silly thing. Like we're just all friends here. 
you know, and I picked out Sarah. So it was like she and I were going to be on the date and then Victoria and Jerry were going to be on the date. And then I find out months later that both names were Sarah, that they were just trying to hook me up. And it worked. That's awesome. And so how long did you guys date before you got married? Oh, years. From school to married was like six years. And how was the wedding? How was that whole experience? Everyone was like, all right, get married already, will you? It was good. We, we were in Chicago. It was, um, it was really beautiful. We were at this old park building in Chicago. And we both have her, especially she's half Puerto Rican. And she has like lots of family all over the place. And I have lots of family all over the place. So you sort of realize you're kind of getting married for your family, you know, which was good. It's fun to see like your very different cousins, like her, like Chicago, Puerto Rican cousins meeting like my cousins from Rockford. And and then there were these Juilliard dancers like there, just throwing the wildest dance party any Chicago wedding has ever seen. Oh my God, what a blast. Yeah, these dancers like dancing with our uncles and grandmas and it was just great. <laughs> That's what's fun about a wedding is like all the parts of your life come together into one room. And you're like, wow, this has never happened. Yeah, you just hope like all the chaos ends up sort of on a positive that there isn't like a massive bar fight. Yeah, we, we got lucky. <gasps> <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Finn, it is really nice to meet you. And thank you so much for doing this today. And I have to tell you, originally when I started the podcast in 2015, we would have our celebrity guests talk to our callers. And then, like, with quarantine and Zoom and everything, it became a little complicated. But I'm really excited to be returning to this. Taylor, this is Finn Wittrock. He is awesome. Hi. Hey, I'm watching you tonight on American Horror Story. All right. I'm so excited. <laughs> Good timing. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is crazy. Awesome. So happy to see you back on, too. Uh, me too. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been like a while since it's been on. So I think people are excited. Taylor, <laughs> tell us what's going on. Okay, so I've been with my fiance for 10 years now. We just got engaged last fall and we've been friends since we were children and we got together when we were 20 and we made it through our 20s together. <laughs> and so a couple of times, like in our earlier 20s, I'd come across porn left on his web browser because we share devices and a computer and stuff. So it's just been like carelessly left on there. And recently this year, I've come across it a couple of times. But now that we're engaged, I find it much more offensive than I would have when we were together and younger. And so it's just really, it just opened up a floodgate of like thoughts and questions and wonders like, 
am I good enough for him? Is he getting enough from me? Does he need something more? It just has really like knocked my confidence and it's made me really insecure. Taylor, when you wrote in your email, I feel like I sound insane right now. And I so feel that, and I think so many people do. I think there's a lot of pressure to be cool, to be like accepting of, you know, your boyfriend's or husband's or your partner's desire to look at porn. And I feel like in the past when I've had your experience, it has hurt my feelings. And looking back, I should have said something. Okay, so how does your fiancé react? Is he embarrassed? Yeah, yeah. He'll be, like, very, very silent for a few minutes. I think he's letting it process and trying to figure out what to say. And in the beginning, like, when we were in our earlier 20s, I would really freak out. Be like, what the fuck? This is terrible. I can't believe you do this behind my back. But now it's more like, okay, like, I really want to spend my life with you, and I'd really like to fulfill your needs. Like, what can we do? Or is this something you need and I just need to accept it? I just want to understand because like, I want to spend my life with you and I love you and I don't want you to feel ashamed, but I also like want to know if there's something more that you need. And is this like a window for cheating? And I I try not to ask too many questions. I have so many and I don't want to overwhelm him, but he just kind of sits there and it's like, no, you're enough for me. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, honestly, you're, It's just because I'm a guy and this is just what guys do. And I've done this since I was a horny teenager and it's just become habitual from when I was younger. And I never, ever thought it would affect you this way. And I was like, well, I'm trying to understand. So that's why I want to talk about it. So it's kind of awkward. Mm. He does clam up. Do you go into like a comparison idea? Like, oh my God, that girl's so hot. Or they're like doing shit that we don't do in the bedroom or... Yeah, my brain definitely goes there, especially like with how enhanced I feel people are now in their like earlier 20s and stuff. Like these women and men just look like they were created and sculpted by the gods. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just And so I just get into this really annoying comparison mode because like I work out a lot and really take care of myself and make the effort that all women do to like maintain how they look. And yeah, it just makes me insecure in that way. Hmm. Finn, is this one of those moments where it's like it's not about Taylor at all from a man's perspective, Finn? <laughs> and I know that's not comforting to hear necessarily. <laughs> I don't know if it is or it isn't, but I almost guarantee you that it's not about you. I think that, and listen, every relationship's different, but I do think being able to privatize something in a relationship is okay. I don't think we always have to be sharing every single thing that goes on in our own heads. You know, we are complicated creatures. It's not a reflection of what he's lacking from you or projecting onto you. It's it's a part of his brain that is like unrelated I know that might not seem like the best way to talk about it, but I really think that that's true. I really appreciate that insight, especially because I've only talked to women. I don't really have many men that I can talk to about this. I can tell that you're clamming up too, just like him. <laughs> well, it's hard to express the right way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't want to hurt my feelings, but also like I'm not trying to shame him. I just want to understand so I don't have to care. When I was in a relationship with a guy who watched a lot of porn, I was the same way. It felt like our love life was really good. Like, I just didn't understand it. And I reacted with anger, which sort of, I think, amplified the shame element 
which sort of drove the whole thing into more secrecy. Have you suggested, like, watching it with him or making your own, potentially? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I haven't actually thought of those options. Well, the watching it together came up, like, most recently when I came across his web browser. And he's like, do you think you'd ever want to watch it with me? And I was like, I don't know if I'd be able to handle watching you watching another woman with me there. Mm-hmm. But then it also, when I say that out loud to him, it makes me want to like work on my security, my confidence, or like, do I have to care? I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of in between like wanting to train myself to not care so much. Mm-hmm. Does he make you feel sexy and desired? He does. Yeah. That's why I was like surprised because he makes me feel so good and we have a great sex life. And so that's why it's so surprising to come across it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I thought you're getting what you need from me. <laughs> so I can't get this out of my head. What Finn just said about like, it's okay for people to have certain areas in a relationship where they privatize their life. I, I don't really consider that. And it's really opened up a new aspect in my mind right now. And it doesn't mean you're dishonest or it's like betrayal. It's like, I think that we are, as you are with someone for a while, it's like you each need to have some space. Like during the pandemic, my wife and I were like, okay, we like almost carved out like, all right, you have this hour to yourself, do your thing, whatever you do. Having a little of that is, I think, can be healthy. But he also has to respect you enough to understand what you're feeling and adjust his behavior accordingly. You know, I don't think you're going to convince him to stop watching porn, but like he can be aware of how sensitive it is to you and figure out whatever that is for him to make it so that this doesn't affect you so personally. Because it sounds like outside of this, like you guys have a pretty good thing going. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So I guess like that's something too that I feel like confused about is like, we do have this great sex life. We do have this great relationship. So I guess like, as far as like the male anatomy goes and trying to understand that psyche, I just don't know. Like, how much do you guys need? (laughs) 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 That's rhetorical. (laughs) (laughs) Finn, do you think that maybe Taylor should just let her fiance have this element of his life and not inquire too much about it. I think you can find a middle ground where you're both get what you need. You know, I think you're talking about it already is a step in the right direction. I'm not suggesting like just turn a blind eye. I, I guess that's already over. <laughs> and Taylor, I would also just in general as a blanket idea, I do think that in your 20s, at least I was completely consumed by jealousy and insecurity. And it was hard. It just felt awful internally. And then in my 30s, I was able to really kind of let go of that. So just know, Taylor, that the 20s are just a rough time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds really comforting. Um, I actually just turned 30 a couple months ago. So yeah. It's good. It's good from here on out. It's feeling a lot better. Yeah. One of the ways I started combating my jealousy with other women, specifically actresses, you know, I would kind of go out of my way to like compliment and befriend anybody that I felt like a twinge of jealousy with. And that was just hugely helpful for me. I wonder if you can sort of adopt that mentality 
with sort of your own sexuality, like being a sexual queen, then maybe that will help combat some of those comparison insecurity feelings. And this is such a tricky topic, I think, because I don't want you to have to necessarily shift things dramatically for yourself to make the situation more comfortable for him. It should be a team effort. You know, and I also want to make sure that this isn't a symptom of a larger issue you need to work on in terms of being close. Mm. But this could be a way for you to empower yourself. Finn, do you think there would be any benefit if they watched porn together? It might dispel some of the fantasy element. Like, you'll see, it's not all, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know this must be a little strange. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Definitely unqualified is no. the right <laughs> for this. I know, me too. <laughs> no, honestly, this is awesome. I guess, too, like, when it comes down to it all, like, I'm just trying to understand him more. Like, if we're going to be together for the rest of our lives, I want to be able to fulfill for him what he needs and you know, maybe if I understand what he's into online, like it won't stop him from watching it, but he would like it in person. Or is it like a fantasy is a fantasy and what you get in real life is what you get? Like, is there like a separation there? Yes, there is. A, I, I think, yes, <laughs> big separation. Because sometimes it's like a habitual release, right? Like a workout, like I just want to go jerk off. And then... It's almost like a different thing than, like, I want to bang my fiancé. Completely. Completely. Just, like, animal instinct, I think, in my opinion. Also, I want to make sure that you, you know, you you seem very concerned about fulfilling his desires. I just want to make sure he's doing the same for you. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm still also trying to figure it out with him because I know he watches it. I've been a little bit reserved. Mm. In expressing myself and I'm trying to like figure out or learn more like how to express my needs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's something I'm not really good at like articulating my needs in that way. And so I'm trying to figure out what I can change for myself for me, not for him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because obviously before we were together, my like sexual history is just hookups from college and high school, like nothing really serious. So now I'm in this place where like I have the space to express my desires, but now it's like, okay, what are they? (laughs) That sounds like kind of a fun adventure that you guys could take together. Yeah, fun adventures, right. I think one of the issues may be that you guys have sort of locked yourselves in this communication pattern around this subject that feels loaded and dangerous and kind of awful for both of you guys. And I wonder how we can just shift that line of communication so it doesn't weigh heavy on your hearts. Because I'm sure that with him, too, he's, like, probably tortured to some degree with knowing that it hurts you, but not kind of being able to help himself. And maybe he also doesn't think it's that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Ben, that seems pretty common, too, right? Like, it's not that big of a deal. This has nothing to do with love or fidelity. Totally. Yes. Yeah, I really need to hear that. I think just like understanding this more will help me like open up sexually. I actually did recently tell him that I wanted to go to a sex store because I would love to like get some toys or accessories. This is a great Um, idea. And he got really excited. (laughs) Taylor, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh my God. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And 
Uh-huh. I don't know like what exactly I want um, or what I'm looking for, but I mean, have you guys ever done that with your partners? Oh yeah. We have a lot of toys. <laughs> I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, I think that's a brilliant idea. I do. I think that anything you can do to sort of recalibrate the feelings around this subject, Mm -hmm. if making it fun and instead of like focusing on the porn watching, I love the idea of you guys going to a store or like looking on Amazon or whatever and, you know, go bold if you want. There's all kinds of resources too. There's a lot of great books Mm -hmm. on like the technicalities if you want to get into (laughs) all kinds of play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I love the idea of opening the dialogue between you guys, being able to kind of broach this issue in a fun way. Mm-hmm. I think that would make both of you guys happier and closer. Mm-hmm. I concur. I, I mean, this topic of conversation between us, like just porn in general, has always... Felt horrible. Yeah, it's always been really horrible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm not trying to shame him. I'm not trying to like change him in any way. I guess too, it's like curiosity of me wanting to explore and open up more to also. Mm. Um, As much as this all sucked to go through, I think it's really going to bring us to that next level in our relationship. Like we went through this gritty stuff and now like we're the best that we could ever be. And yeah, you've opened up. Yeah, I think when, you know, we're in these really long-term relationships, we forget that, like, this is the work that people talk about, like, relationships at work, and it could be in a lot of different aspects. Taylor, I didn't have, like, a lot of sexual partners, and in my 20s, I was totally insecure about my experience level of, like, I don't know, what to do, I guess. And I love the idea of you guys being able to grow in that world together and maybe you can find a way to reframe the conversation so he doesn't go deeper into his hole of shame and embarrassment and try to keep it hidden you know what I mean yeah I think um what I mostly wanted to get out of this conversation was just like an understanding that this isn't like a window to cheating I don't think it's that at all I really don't Neither do I. And maybe it's an opportunity to grow closer. I love your idea of going to the sex shop. (laughs) (laughs) He's uh, out of town, but when he gets back. All right. I like that. And I like you finding some things that make you feel really sexy, whatever that is. Something where you feel an ownership. I want you to gain confidence in that way. And in that, I think that it'll just give you a sense of stability and security. But it is totally human to do the comparison idea mm-hmm. of like, what am I not giving? My ass doesn't look like that, you know? I want to reiterate, for me, I really don't think that it's personal. It's not about the person that you're with. It's your own male primal shit that you're dealing with on your own, you know? It's not a, some kind of direct comparison of like, this is what I'm not getting in life, so this is what I'm going to go watch. Okay. You said that beautifully. Thank you. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Dicey territory. Yeah. It is. I know. We set you up for this. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Taylor, I want to thank you so much for talking about something that 
so many of us have experienced, which is that insecurity when our partner is watching porn. And what am I not giving where he has to go have, like, relationships with his computer? But it's not a relationship. I'm just throwing that. It's not a relationship. Yeah, Finn, this is the useful interjection. <laughs> yeah, it's not a deep <laughs> yes. emotional connection. It's it's a quick, immediate release, and then it doesn't linger moving on, you know. I really promise that that's true. I'd rather have this explanation. Like, I ended my uh, little blurb to you with, like, asking for a friend, and I truly feel like I had some friends with me. So, like, thank you guys so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Taylor, I so appreciate your letter and this conversation because, as you know, there are just millions of people dealing with this. So thank you. So lovely talking to you guys. Yeah. So nice to meet you both. This is amazing to me. Like everything aside. (laughs) Yeah, Taylor, you too. Thank you for talking about something so personal. So nice to meet you both. Bye, Taylor. Finn, you were fantastic. Okay, good, good. How did you feel about it? Are you, like, kind of nervous? I mean, at first I was a little like, oh, God. Because <laughs> it is it is touchy. But it's funny, I was actually just reading about this thing about, you know, the OnlyFans, that site? Have you heard this whole thing where, like, they're going to say, like, no sexually explicit content or whatever? So I was just reading this sort of overview of, like, the attack on porn versus the acceptance of it. And it's, like, this funny place where, like, 70s, 80s, it was like extreme feminism and extreme ultra-conservative Christianity were like the one place where they coalesced about this, like trying to rid all the internet of anything explicit. You have a son. Have you thought about this idea with him? That's what I was sort of getting into is like, that's what's so different about this world. It's like these kids can watch anything, the touch of a button. I know. And I do worry. I mean, I'm going to raise him as a respectful, supportive man and stuff. But like, if you don't have a good base, I do worry about young men's brains watching this shit when they're just starting to go through puberty, you know, because it, you can see anything and it's, there is some really dark shit out there. Unhealthy, bad. (laughs) Like that we can, like when you're an adult can like see and say, oh, that's gross and bad. And but you don't have that development. You're like, it's definitely going to affect the way that you talk to women. And I don't know. I just told my son, who just turned nine, I said, you know, if there was one thing I could tell you, it would be to understand that curiosity and the internet can lead you to places that will sear images into your brain that you won't be able to let go of. You know, and I'll try to reiterate that message as much as I can. Yeah, well, kids need to know that their brains are developing and they are pieces of plastic that literally change by what they see and experience. So, yeah. I really felt, Taylor, because I felt the same thing. I would get really angry, just like she did, which only exacerbated the problem in terms of my own sense of isolation in the relationship and feeling alone. Well, you're probably seeing a side of someone that you don't, you know, that you didn't think was there and that it'd be kind of ugly to look at. Yeah, or the idea of like, why am I not enough? Right. Like, you're enough for me. I don't think it's how our brains work. Like, that doesn't compute in some way because it's not about not being enough. It's like, it's just a different thing. 
<laughs> I like that. The question does not compute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this has nothing to do with love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, are you ready to talk with Anne? Throw me in there. <laughs> Throw me in the ring, coach. Hi, how are you? Hello. I am great. How are you? Good, good. Nice to virtually meet you guys. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Anne, will you tell us what's going on? So I'm currently dating a guy. I think we're going on three or four months now. And he's like my first like official boyfriend. And he's really sweet and kind and everything. But one of my issues is, or like something I'm struggling with is he smokes like a lot of weed, which I'm fine with smoking weed. I have nothing against it. I smoke weed myself, but he tends to do it like a lot. <laughs> and he's kind of like reliant on it throughout the day. Like it's really hard for him to not go like a single day without it. And he's made a few like attempts to try and stop just for as far as like not spending as much money or be more productive and whatnot. He's made a few like declarations as far as that he wants to try and stop but he tends to end up smoking again. Like I want to support him in like trying to stop, but I don't know how to support him while also like letting him know that I'm struggling, trusting him. And like, if this keeps continuing, it might be like a deal breaker, like later down the road. How does his weed smoking sort of affect you guys? The biggest thing is when he does smoke and he's around me is like, he's just a lot different. Like he can't really hold up the conversation because he's like fairly darn high. Um, and if it was like every once in a while, like I'm all right with that, but like, it just, it's not the same. I don't see him a ton. And it is like, maybe I'm looking for like, since it's like my first relationship, that might be like more of like a me issue. I might be looking for like negatives and I'm like, Oh, that's a negative. I could maybe pick on like self-sabotage myself. So I do think that could be like partly that, but I'd say the biggest thing is just like, he's just so different when he is high and it's hard to like be around him, I guess. It's not the same conversations. It's not the same humor. He's not connecting with you. Yeah. And I guess like I try to like abide by like my priorities are other people's priorities. But at the same time, like if I enjoy certain things and if he enjoys them, that's good for him. But maybe we should we'd be better off like not being together. You know, if he really does enjoy it that much, that's fine. But I don't enjoy that as like a regular thing, you know. So I guess it's like is that a small hobby that you can enjoy on your own and you're not going to expect me to participate all the time? Um, so I guess it's kind of that. When you write that he's trying to stop again, like what is the impetus for that? Is it his own guilt? 
I would say um, it was probably like when we first started dating, I think like he knows he struggles with like self-discipline and whatnot, but I think he actually had a talk with like his boss and his boss was like, I can tell it kind of messes with your memory and stuff. So he took that pretty hard and because he wants to do like a good job with his work and whatnot. So he was like, you know what? I'm going cold turkey. And I was like, I mean, if that works for you, then that's good. But I feel like most people like to slowly cut back. Uh, but he was like, no, I'm going cold turkey. And then I think like, three days later, he was just back to smoking regular. So there's like no progress. So like, do I be like, what happened to going cold Turkey? Or do I support him being like, I guess you tried, but like, I don't know. It's just kind of hard. Well, it feels like you haven't articulated. Do you live in a state by the way that it's legal? Yes. Michigan. Could he try something like edibles that I don't know, might not be as strong. He says those don't really affect him. So like he'll take like a lot of them and those really don't like do much for him. So I don't know. (laughs) Oh man, I am not really qualified here, but it sounds like he might have some addiction issues. Have you said to him, it makes me feel distant. Like we don't communicate as well. I definitely struggle with being like direct because I don't want to like hurt his feelings because like that's like something he really enjoys. But recently I've been more assertive and like when he's like showed up high for us, like hanging out, which like, again, like when we first started dating, it wasn't often. So I was like, cool, you showed up high and it's like already different, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But recently I was able to communicate and just say like, I like you so much more when you're sober, Mm -hmm. Um, like your humor is so much better. And like, I feel like we connect better. And then again, recently, I think within the last week or two, I was able to kind of tell him like, it like hurts me that I can't trust his word when he says he wants to cut back or like that I struggle with trying to support him. But like, I guess maybe I should be more direct. What do you think, Finn? Yeah, I don't want to make this too like dramatic, but I mean, there's a lot of addiction in my family uh, and friend circle. And I know people uh, have different opinions about this, but I think you can be addicted to weed. And it can be a thing that affects your life and your most important relationships. I think that in general, if we're talking about like an actual addiction, like I don't think things like threats and shaming works well or works at all. You know, it kind of drives people deeper into their holes. I I think uh, they say is like a person can't really come clean unless they want to, unless they have their own personal drive to do it. And if you're part of the personal drive, that could help. But I think that expressing how you're feeling when he is like that is the most important thing, as opposed to trying to make some kind of ultimatum or sort of rule book, unless things get insane. But like, I I don't think that that's helpful, usually, Mm -hmm. if you're talking about someone who's actually truly, like, can't stop something. It's like, they have to kind of realize that their life's out of control And that can be hard, but there has to be a self-discovery about it, you know. So you think she can be supportive of him up to a point? Yeah, I think so. I think as long as it's not about shame, I think. Right. And it's about focusing on the positive, you know. And there are plenty of people who smoke the right amount of weed or like for themselves or whatever. It's the same with drinking and everything. It's like there is moderation, I think, that we can find unless it's there's some people that just genetically cannot do it. And that has to be it. But um, the actual practical approach, I'm not very good at. But I just think as long as I think focusing on it was so fun when we had that sober dinner the other night, you know, like that sort of talk, I think, does help. I guess I just worry that at a certain point, his smoking will become detrimental to Anne's life. It's such a new relationship. And if they aren't really connecting, 
Does it also affect your love life, like in the bedroom? Maybe it could, because I feel like I find him less attractive almost. And again, like smoke myself, but it's how like stoned he can be or how regular it is. I feel like that he's just so focused on that and he's not as present, you know? So that's kind of a turn off. So maybe it does. I never really thought about that before. I'm just afraid this is a problem you can't really solve on your own. Yeah, I guess that's what I was getting at too. It might be something that you decide is not right for you. And it might mean that this relationship isn't right. How old are you though? You guys are young. I'm 24 and he's 22. Okay. And this is your first relationship. Mm-hmm. 22, I'm just saying like he could maybe like, I knew guys who did that and grew out of it. You know, like it's still early 20s. <laughs> so Yeah, quite young. <laughs> are you living together? No. Okay, that's mm. good. So you can kind of assess this a little bit independently. I think it's really sweet that you know, this is like your first relationship and you want to make it work, but it might be something over the next six to eight months that you kind of assess. And because I don't think you'll be able to, nor should it be your job, I think. Yeah. I don't want to mom him or anything. No. Yeah. I think that this might be a decision that you need to think about and you don't need to make a decision. Now is the time to really examine what you want in a partner. And if this is a rewarding relationship or you're happy, maybe then I just, I'm very hesitant about attempting to change his behavior. It often doesn't end well. If you want to be in this, I think you support him. I do think trying more mild dosage, that would be like my practical advice. But I think the best advice would be to examine the reward in the relationship. And if you continue to be happy, then that's great. We're also at a really interesting time right now, coming out, going back in of this quarantine. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. feels like everyone's either reflecting on the past intensely or very worried about like solidifying the plans for the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you need to put that kind of pressure on yourself or this relationship necessarily in the next three or four months. Yeah. I think it'll be really hard for him, it sounds like, to stop smoking weed for you or for his boss. And so I think that that route will lead you to a lot of kind of torment. You'll feel like you have to be constantly checking to see if he's stoned or where he keeps his stash. And he'll feel the need to hide it. And you'll get into that kind of miserable cycle. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that you're both young and you don't need to be really thinking about where you guys will be in two years. I would just focus on the next like three to four months. Love, you know, as as you say you do, and positively enforce the idea of how much fun it is when he's fully present. And then just kind of quietly assess, take it in. And if you're anything like me, and maybe you put a lot of pressure on, because I, especially in my 20s, I was great at making a bad thing work (laughs) for a long time, you know, because I like being in relationships and I thought that I could and I felt like I was an optimistic person. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So, there's nothing wrong with you, and there's probably nothing wrong with him. He's 22 and a pothead. (laughs) But I don't think you'll be able to change his behavior at this age. Nor do you want to. Do you think, Finn? I do totally think, but now I'm just also realizing, like, if it is a real serious relationship, like, there are sacrifices everyone has to make of their own, the way they would live their life personally, if they were on their own and a bachelor or bachelorette. Uh, You know, like, there are things you have to put aside to have a relationship that works, and you have to be able to find your own new way to regulate yourself uh, with the other person, you know? I would live a very different I think (laughs) I would have very different habits if I was living alone, you know, but this is again, over time, I think there is an adjustments that you do have to make. And if you're incapable of making them, then I think he needs to reach out for like actual real help, you know, but it doesn't sound like you're really there yet. So like another issue I have, or like in addition to that, and it may be some more than just like the weed, but it's like the promises. The word promise means a lot to me. And like, I've never asked him to like make promises of stopping. It's, it's always come from him. And like the only thing I've really directed is like him being present with me and him not smoking around me as much. But I know he smokes like quite a bit every day when he gets home from work and things like that. But when he makes like, I guess, proclamations of like, I promise you, I'm like done. And like, I've heard that like three or four times. And I feel like, that's something that's really hurting me. I feel like mm. it's like, do I believe you? Or like, what else will I not believe you? And I know he's not trying to hurt me. Like I, it's not about me. It's about him. He's, he's trying and he's struggling, but I guess I don't want to say, I don't believe you. Like I would not, but I don't want to like lose faith in him when he says things like that. You know, I just, I don't know how to react hearing this. If he says it again, like today or tomorrow, like, will I believe him? Like, I don't know. I've heard that same thing before. Mm-hmm. If he makes another, like, I'm done, I promise I'm not going to, I think you can say, I appreciate that you're saying this, but I don't need you to say this to me. Like, I just, I want to be with you in a more present way sometimes. And that's kind of what I'm asking for. I'm not asking for this ultimatum. I don't want you to have to stress yourself out by putting this kind of pressure on yourself. I think you guys are, you know, both young and have you ever really considered breaking up with him over this issue? At the end of your letter, you write, Anne, how can I support him but also let him know that I can't see a future with him if he can't stop or cut back? 
I would say like nothing like super serious of thinking of breaking up with him, but it's just within the past, I'd say like three weeks, I think he's made like two or three promises of saying that. So it's just like, I feel like each time he says it or hurts a little bit more. Yeah. And is he just volunteering this? He really is like we're talking about like we in general, or he's had a conversation with his boss or like his friends. And then he's just like, okay, now I'm done. Like, I promise you, I don't know. It's, it's just, it makes it very tough. And I don't think people are easy to change. And I don't think that should be your burden at age 24. Mm -hmm. I think that you assessing if this is a relationship that gives you 70% happiness and contentment and 30% is like a little aggravation. Those are okay percentages for a relationship. (laughs) I prefer (laughs) 90-10. That's a really good ratio. (laughs) (laughs) But you're young. And I just don't know if it's the time to leap to the future. I don't think you necessarily need to make a decision if if you guys are going to get married one day. I know that that's where our brains go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we want to know what's going on. (laughs) But if you can sort of resist that and just really take assessment. And then maybe in three to four months, maybe ask a qualified person. (laughs) (laughs) because i'm worried that at 24 you're too young to kind of tackle his weed smoking and i want your first relationship to be fun i've just been thinking about someone who's saying promising i'm going to quit and then smokes two days later like that means it's not a promise that is for himself, you know, that he's doing it because he probably thinks it's what you want to hear. And I think it's really true what you said, like, at this stage in your life and relationship, maybe it's not the time to take on an issue of this size and magnitude, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, Anne, but I would start by having like a really gentle conversation, especially if he's trying to hide it from you too. Mm -hmm. I would start there. My mom used to tell me when I was young to be selfish in love, which I didn't understand because I really wanted to make things work. And I think I wasted some time on some people who just maybe weren't ready or I wasn't ready, either one. I would always advise people in their 20s to not put so much pressure on the road ahead and to really think about your own contentment and your own happiness. Just be present. Yeah. I really am like putting a lot of pressure on myself or like looking for the future of like, I want an answer now. Like I want to fix the issue now or like, I want to know like, what's the right thing to do? You know, I know I feel honestly like a lot lighter after like I am thinking of the future so much and I should just enjoy the present. Totally. It's a good idea. If things don't work out, then they don't. Yeah, it's totally. And yeah, 100% because right now we've just gone through this insane experience. And truly, like I said, we spent the last year reflecting. And now there's this pressure to figure out the future. And you don't need to do that yet, you know? Yeah. And did we provide you with any perspective? You both really did, honestly, like a lot of comfort and just like, I feel feel like lighter after that, after that conversation. Like, I don't think I really realized that I was thinking of the future so much and putting pressure on this, like one thing that like, although it does have an impact, like I can't do anything for that. And it's more like, we'll see what he does. I guess like the ball is in his court. Like we'll see what happens. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I want you to take the pressure off yourself. 
So I say, have fun together and see if that is satisfying. And then if it's like, I don't know, then reassess. And you'll meet a man at the park <laughs> who like has a puppy. Hates weed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Or only edibles. <laughs> yeah. There we go. One of the two. I'll take them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I really appreciate you sharing this with us and know that you're not alone. Thank you. Thank you so much. Both of you. Bye. Bye. What did you think about that experience? I mean, it's tough. I think you're right. Like, he is 22. It's like, you never know. I mean, it could just be like, he's smoking a lot of weed right now in his life. Or it could be a big deal. You know, you're just like, it's just hard to tell when you're that age. Yeah. And I, she can't take that battle on. Yeah. He'll figure it out. Like, if, it, if it's like, oh, I, she's going to leave me. If I can't do this, can I do it? Yeah. I think what she said is right. The ball is in his court, you know. Yeah. And so she has to take that pressure off to, like, not have to fix things. Finn, I can't thank you enough. Absolutely. You were so great with the callers. <laughs> That's a relief. I, was, I would say I wasn't a little scared. Oh, my God. <laughs> you were fantastic. Okay, good. And I really, really appreciate you. Totally. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on here. Thank you again. And uh, I'm excited for Green Lantern and American Horror Story. This is going to be awesome. Thank you. Bye, Finn. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.